Off the ball. With 10-year-old Amber playing football back in Donegal, believe this moment. No, because she'd probably still be doing the community games. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. And they often are. A wife is often the harshest critic of her <laughs> husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof with the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life, because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochard has never spoken to Jimmy McGinnis in his life. And this is Off the Ball Saturday News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five. You can text us five three one zero six. We're streaming the conversation as well. So listen across the country on News Talk, but also watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. This is the Saturday panel Tuesday night in Glasgow. History was made. The Republic of Ireland women's team qualifying for the FIFA World Cup for the first time in their history. 32 teams will contest the competition in Australia and New Zealand next year. And to celebrate this great achievement, we'll be joined on the line shortly by Ireland record caps holder, Emma Byrne. But right now in studio, we're speaking to Ireland's record goal scorer, Olivia O'Toole. Olivia, how are you? Hey, John, how's it going? You were in Glasgow. <clears throat> I was, indeed. How are you feeling a few days on, the emotions? I'm actually still on a high from it. Yeah. Like, yeah. the euphoria hasn't gone out of my body, like, from yeah. the celebrations, and I'm still on a high. And I still, uh, the last three mornings, I've woke up and actually said to myself, we're actually going to a woke up. Yeah. It's just brilliant, like. Do you feel all the sacrifices you made as a player have come to something now, in a way? Yeah, because I never thought in my lifetime that I'd ever see this day. Yeah. I never, like, I, everyone that's asked me, I never thought I'd see this day. And from playing years ago, I never thought we would come to this conclusion that we were at in Hampton watching our girls in a playoff for a woke up. And it's just unbelievable that's actually at the happening. What was the night like then? And were you know, nervous? Yeah, like, I, as you know, you're walking to the ground, you, you're anticipating, you're sweating, you don't know what's going to happen. But I knew in the back of my head we had a chance because to me, Scotland now is sort of on the same wavelength yeah. in terms of technique and... Celtic nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought, on the night I thought, after I went after 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and we relaxed and started playing air football, I thought, yeah, this is it, it's going to happen. And the penalty save helped. Absolutely. That gave us a huge amount of confidence. Confidence. I thought we played brilliant after that as well. And I actually thought Courtney Brosnan was uh, absolutely, I think it's the best game I've actually seen her playing. Yeah. Where she was speaking to players, telling players what to do and holding up the ball. Uh, you know, the minutes like catching the ball and going down the ground, you know, wasting time when we were winning. You know what I mean? But the panel, like, it was just a 40 in the, in the stands when she, when she saved her. And Amber Barish, you know as a striker yourself, the ball was brilliant from Denise Sullivan, but then the composure to take it and then to just toke up, poke it past the keeper. A forced touch. Yeah. That got out away from the defender. Yeah. And the minute she did that, I said, this is it. She's going, she's going to do it. Because the, the forced touch, that she, the ball from Denise was world class. Yeah. Around the defenders, in between. And then uh, head out, uh, Amber were our left foot, getting the touch away from the defender. And she looked up and you could see where she was going to put it. 
and I just said, it's gone. I was screaming. Where were you sitting there standing? I was like where she's got, straight facing the hall, like. Right. So we were, we were all dead and we were all screaming. I was like, she's going to score, she's going to score. And luckily she did. And with a lot of families around there, families of the players, were you with them? Yeah, I was with um, Katie McKay's family was behind us, you know. And, uh, a few more girls that was with Megan Connolly and Kara Grant's parents were there and you know we were we were there all together as you know like we were mixed but when we stood up when we thought we scored from the trough from Megan everyone stood up and you could see where the Irish were in the stadium you know so when we were looking around I could see people waving we were, and stranger stranger strange Irish people that we didn't know yeah. all hugging each other and you know it was brilliant we have uh, Emma Byrne, Ireland's record caps holder on the line. Emma, how are you? Hi, how are you? Yeah, we've Olivia here in studio and uh, myself, Emma. And you were on commentary with Nathan, Emma, so you had a bit of work to do, but enjoyable work. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was very good. Um, I mean, at one stage, I couldn't speak, so I have to thank Nathan for covering yeah, for me because me <laughs> I literally could not speak, especially in the last six minutes. I was just panicking and mm. the emotion was just rising. So... Yeah, he, he kind of covered for me for a little bit. All those years, Emma, probably in that emotion, all those years you represented your country and Olivia as well, on the journey you took and in inspiring these players and now they're doing it right in front of you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was a really strange emotion. I couldn't prepare myself actually for how I was going to feel. I didn't even think about that. All I was thinking about was the game and how they can win and, you know, the on COCOMs and stuff. And when they did it, it was like... I can't even describe it properly. It was just like a, an emo- like a frustration just left my body. And I didn't even realize I was so frustrated for so many years. But I realized <laughs> it that night because I felt completely different, I have to say. And I felt free and I felt just very, very emotional for the girls, very proud and, and just a, a huge relief, massive, massive relief. What's that frustration? Just frustration because we were so close so many times and... You know, talking about it, though, over 20-something years I was playing, actually we didn't have that many chances to qualify. Like, looking back, such a a long time trying to qualify. Mm. Um, But in actual fact, it was just four World Cups that we were trying to qualify for. But in two of those, we were so close to qualifying, particularly, you know, um, towards the end of my career. And always talking about the near misses, always talking about the should have, could have, what would we do if we got there. I was in the dressing rooms going back into Arsenal talking about how close we were and then listening to the other girls talking about how they were going to prepare for the World Cup. It was just sickening, sickening for so many years. And I was just so tired of talking about the, you know, how we should have got there and how we, we haven't played well and how we didn't perform and how we could perform. And we did it. We finally did it on, on that night against Scotland and everything just went perfectly for us. The journey to, for this squad to get to where they've got to and be going to Australia and New Zealand now, Emma, like I do think it's, it's been referenced quite a lot this week, the line in the sand of, of threatening to go on strike five years ago and, and demanding better conditions. And you were obviously at the forefront of that, whether it was um, issues around changing in toilets or swapping tracksuits or gym membership lacking that or not receiving appearance fees. Do you feel that was a line in the sand that helped uh, get a, an environment where we've got a professional environment now, we've got Sky as a sponsor and we have this team prepared in the right way to qualify for a World Cup? Yeah, I, I do. I, I really do. And, you know, everyone talks about me, but it was a massive movement from all the players and the past players. They're all with us. They mightn't have been 
on camera that day, but they were with us too, you know, giving us uh, motivation and messages and stuff like that. Um, you know, we spoke about it on our podcast yeah. on Tuesday about the significance of that moment. And it was a huge moment because we just had enough. And I think it was a moment for just female athletes in general, just to say, we deserve better. You know, we're sick of not being able to compete. We're, we're capable of competing as in standard wise, but we're not up there because we don't have the facilities. We don't have the the means to take time off work. You know, we just, it was impossible to get the squad together with the, the silly, silly little things that we need to improve on. And we just had enough. And I think when you talk about sponsorship and, and Cabri and Sky, it's a massive, massive thing for our girls. And, I think one of the things from that day back then was the media and how they supported us and how it became such a huge moment for everybody, including the media. And that obviously brought attention to to football, women's football in Ireland, which, of course, um, is a massive thing and and probably encouraged the sponsorship, which is something we were desperate for. Yeah, I think we're a more progressive society now. And I think I even speaking myself, Emma and Olivia, somebody in the media, I think we've all evolved. I've evolved. Like, I think it's unconscious. I, I think organically, we've always been um, chasing ratings and we need to realise that it's actually about doing the right thing and the ratings will come anyway. So when you're championing Rachel Blackmore, Kelly Harrington, Ellen Keane, Kieran McGeehan, Leon Maguire, the Meath Gaelic footballers, it's just a given now because it's the right thing to do. And these people are doing amazing things. But, yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, uh, like, for, did you ever feel a bit invisible, uh, Olivia, say 20, 30 years ago when you were playing Republic of Ireland soccer? Like, you may have over 100 caps. Yeah, <laughs> invisible, like, as in... You know, not recognised, not... Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's what Emma was saying. Like, we we hadn't got social media then, so we had, like, it was posters put up two days before a game, you know, in the, the local shop. Like, that was it, getting air game out in the public oh, it was posters and it was because uh, we know social media then but invisible was the word because the only people that came to the games was their families and a few supporters and probably at the scoring hat-trick for Ireland against Croatia I uh, yeah well done a tap on the back that's what you that's what we got you know, uh, today, now, if you score a hat-trick, you're a top, top player. But it's on television. It's Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't on television years ago. It's not that we felt invisible. We just didn't feel we got the recognition that yeah. we deserved. Yeah. And I find that now, what the girls is doing now, we did that 20 years ago, but it just wasn't as important as in the way Emma is saying about the sponsors coming on. and Nobody wanted to know. We just played because we love playing for their country. And the quality being a right as well. Yeah, yeah. You were telling me you once marked Vera Pau. Well, or did she, she mark you? Me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she marked me. Olivia, Olivia doesn't mark anyone. She's <laughs> never marked anyone in her life. <laughs> never in my life. And uh, yeah, I was speaking to Fair at a Sky press conference and she actually says to me, she said we did play against each other in Ireland. And she said we should have won about um, 9 8 0. She said, but it was the only one. And I said, well, that's Emma the keeper, like, you know. So, I mean, she started laughing, like, but we remembered her when she said that I remembered playing against her. She was a tough defender, was she? Oh, she was, yeah. Every defender I played against was tough, but Fair <laughs> was tough. Yeah, it was very, really, like, you know, when you reminisce and. We were speaking about and we were saying how long it was, 20, 25 years yeah. ago, you know. And now she's managing the Irish team. It's like she had to do on a 360. 
big time. Yeah. She, she's done an amazing job, hasn't she, Emma Vera? Yeah, yeah, she has. Um, and it's something that we desperately needed. Um, she just brought, I think it's the attitude that she's brought in more than anything. You know, she's, her, her resume kind of speaks for itself. Like I was very excited when I heard that she'd been appointed because I had loads of respect for her from uh, when she was working with South Africa and then working with Scotland as well. Like I, I'd be quite close to some of the Scottish girls like Julie Fleeton and that, and she couldn't speak highly enough of her. Um, and that's what I would go by, these kind of players that are very genuine down-to-earth girls and they spoke very highly of her. So I was very, very um, happy with that and I was excited for the girls and kind of wish she'd come in like a little bit earlier for me. I would have mm. liked to, to play under at least one year anyway. Um, but yeah, she's come in and she's brought that winning mentality. She's very, very confident person anyway. Um, and she's also very uh, supportive of the players. She, you can tell that she'd she'd go go to the end for them. Mm. And just that attitude that she's come in. We're a very defensive team. There's no denying that. But she has brought a, a different dimension in, as in you know trying to get them to play on the front foot, trying to be positive, uh, and also being pragmatic. The fact that we can't go gun ho, you know, we can't mm. go all fires blazing because we do need to defend. But um, I, you can see it's a process and you can see that what she's trying to do and I think obviously this isn't the end point she's got a lot of work to do with them still but as I said she's very realistic and she'll know that Yeah we've got the draw next Saturday for the World Cup we're in pot three out of the four we're either going to be in Australia or New Zealand it's going to be one or the other one country or the other what I quite liked about Vera Olivia is that we had a bit of a bad run but then she said let's play against better teams and friendlies let's play against really good teams and friendlies also underage boys side like she's taken the fear I think out of the Irish squad if, you know, looking at a hurler on the ditch to look at it here. She's toughened us up. Absolutely. And what I feel she's had to give to the girls is confidence as well. A lot of confidence. Because you need confidence to go, as you said, against the top teams, especially friendlies. Like, to me, when she, the under 15 bias she was playing against, she got a bit of lacquery for that. But the, you have to understand these bias are like six foot nothing. And girls going up again, it only makes you better. You know, and the top teams that she got to play friendlies against as well. But she's going to have to do that as well now in January to get them ready for the World Cup. She's going to have to get top, top teams to give us friendlies for the girls ready for the World Cup. Yeah, there's no reason, Emma, why we can't have England in Dublin. Obviously, Jonathan Hill's got links to the FAI boss with England to the FA. It would be amazing to see England coming to Dublin and filling out the Aviva. No reason why it can't happen. Why not? No reason at all. I mean, I've never played. Have you ever, you've played against England, no, Olivia? No, I haven't. No, Ems. We've never played mm. against England. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Mm. Like, we're neighbours. We've never, ever played against each other. Why not bring them over? I'm sure we get a huge crowd. Why not play in Aviva as well? Absolutely. Get the yeah, crowd in. It would be a great... Um, Send off, yeah. Off, yeah. I think the Aviva is ideal for them about two weeks before they go to Australia. That's the plea now. That's the plea to the FAI, to the English yeah. FA. Get it sorted, folks. Get the English team over here, the European champions, to the Viva. Set out crowd, 50,000 people. The official send-off for the Irish women's team to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. That would be absolutely, absolutely. brilliant. And it? It, gives, uh, it gives Olivia a chance to jump in the kit bag as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be somewhere. I mean, I'd be probably in the hall of the plane. I'd be somewhere. I'd be there. <laughs> I don't care how I get there, but I'd be there. I was just looking through the, the stats here, Emma. What, what, only four goals conceded in the whole campaign. Mm. Uh, you know, three 1-0 wins in a row. Um, 
Finland we beat, they're ranked higher than us. Scotland we beat. It just reminds me, I, I, just as a, a young lad, I was growing up watching Jack's teams and there was something in, there's something unt- intangible. There was something in the air. Mm. And I kind of feel that about us as well, Emma. Yeah, you do. You, you get the feeling it's, it's the turning point for women's football. And you asked me about why I was so frustrated yeah. because I, I couldn't see that turning point, not in my career. Mm. And every time I thought we were turning a corner, you know, we'd we'd mess up somewhere along the line, and I think this is a turning point for women's football, especially internationally, and and worldwide wise. Um, you know, we're on the map now, and kind of sick of being the 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 butt of all the jokes. You know, going into the dressing room, and people even in interviews, no, we've never qualified for a World Cup. No, we've never played on that stage. And now we have the the opportunity, and it's it's a great opportunity for for more sponsorship, for more exposure, for more getting more fans on board. Which I think that momentum has already been built, and it's a huge huge thing. It's a great thing to see, and and yeah, now's the time to build on that, and that'll be up to the FAI, and that'll be up to you know sponsors helping the girls and the girls themselves as well with their social media um i think it's time to push on from that and i don't think there's any going back now there's no turning back no. it's just going to go go on from here and i feel also as well i says any by any business any big company why would they not want to get on to sponsor the girls do you know what i mean it's exposure for them it's helping the girls it's everything yeah, it's promoting you know, the game for the next generation exactly, as well, yeah. yeah. And just keep it going and going and going for the next generations. Yeah, we got to take a break here. Stay with us for more chat on the Saturday panel as we celebrate the Republic of Ireland women's team's qualification for the World Cup with Emma Byrne on the line and Olivia Toole in studio here. Listeners out there, get in touch with your questions for Olivia and Emma and your messages of goodwill for the squad here on 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. We're going to speak about the players. We're going to speak about what the opportunity is now from this seismic moment in the country for women's sport and women's football. How can we really invest now in the game and get to more World Cups in the future? Because this is a real chance now. We haven't qualified for Men's World Cup since 2002, 2001-02. So this is a real chance now that we really want to take this chance. So, The Saturday Panel on Off The Ball. This is Off The Ball Saturday News Talk. John Duggan with you 3 to 5. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off The Ball. This is part two of the Saturday panel. We're chatting to Ireland's record caps holder Emma Byrne and Ireland's record goal scorer Olivia O'Toole on the qualification of the Republic of Ireland team for the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next year. 53106 for your text. One coming in here. Really enjoying the chat with Emma and Olivia. Great ambassadors for Irish football. Such an exciting time for women's football. This Irish squad are so likeable. And on the squad, Emma Byrne, it was just... Wonderful to see Courtney Brosnan after the pain of Kiev save that penalty the other night and the arc has come full circle, I suppose, and just an amazing day for her. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to say I know what it feels like for her, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I don't. Um, well, I know what it feels like to save a penalty and, and that save being extremely important, but... Um, that's probably going to be the most important moment of her football career, being honest. It was a huge, huge key moment in the game. And, you know, that's that's what it is about at this standard of football. It's the key moments in the game that win you the game. And that, for me, was the key moment. Um, and she's been fantastic, to be fair to her, throughout the, the campaign. As you said, only conceding four goals. That, that has to be down to her in some way. 
uh, or another and I just think she's been brilliant and the players themselves when the players are talking about the goalkeeper and that in such respect we've seen Rusha Little John after the game saying how amazing Courtney Brosnan was I think that t- says it all really that the players trust her um, she's very good at sweeping up from the back when that through ball goes in it's something that we probably don't speak about enough uh, how good she is at that Plus, she's playing regularly with Everton week in, week out. It's good. it's only a massive thing for the Irish team. It's it's a great advantage to have. And also the geographical diversity, Emma, of the team. So Courtney's from New Jersey, but Kerry and Roscommon, grandparents. You have Louise Quinn from Wicklow. Nifa, a former All-Ireland winner with Galway from Galway, obviously. Uh, Amber Barr from Donegal. Katie McKay from Dublin. Uh, Denise Sullivan from, from Cork. You know, it's it's great spread. Yeah, it is. And it's great to see, isn't it? I was just thinking about that this morning when I was looking through Twitter, all the photos and thinking it's from all corners of Ireland. And then, of course, we can bring in the American players who who have their Irish um, grannies and granddads. And I just think it's a wonderful thing because you can see the unity in this team. You can see them all coming together. You can see how hard they fought for each other. And um, I just think it's a brilliant thing, such a small little country to to be in the World Cup. I think it's going to be a huge, huge, massive support for them, hopefully next year. Kiev, uh, Olivia, was also painful for Onyo Gorman, um, who's a homegrown player, Piedmont United. Uh, but resilience is built through heartache and, and defeat as much as victory at times, you know, Olivia. Yeah, heartache is the main word I think that goes with the ladies Irish team for the last 20 years <laughs> because that's all because that's all me and Emma got was heartache because the, the like the Iceland game you know like that 20 minutes away from qualifying and then we play on an ice rink and then we can't you know it's, that's what Emma was like you know the frustration yeah. frustration and I know exactly where she's coming from because it's it's always been nearly there never there we were never there and people asking you these questions it's very disheartening to say that you've never been at a major tournament and then to see the girls doing it now like it's brilliant that's why I was trying to say people asking me how come you've never got to a major tournament I said we just weren't good enough we hadn't got the resources we hadn't got the fan back and we hadn't got the sponsorships and the Iceland game always comes back to me because that absolutely broke my heart when Emma we were playing and we should, the game should never have gone, gone ahead. When was this, about 2009, was it? 2009, yeah. We played uh, Iceland at, at home and we beat them 2-1 and they beat us 3-1 away in Iceland, but we played on a nice rink. The, I don't know how, in the standards today, that game would never have gone, it would never pass the play today. And this is the heartache. And when Emma was saying about the, being at the Scotland game, and it's like your frustration just all just left you and your tension and it's like we actually did it and we're there and we're gone because as I said in our lifetime we never thought we'd ever get to a major World Cup You played with Arsenal and you won everything Emma you won a Champions League the fact that Katie McCabe is playing for Arsenal a lot of these players are playing for, for top clubs and Denise O'Sullivan is in America uh, has playing in, in quality standards and being obviously good enough for those standards helped in this journey for them? Massively. I think it's one of the key elements here that we can talk about. I've always said it, and as much as I don't want to detract from from the National League at home, uh, the reality is 
that players need to be pushed abroad to, to play and to, to reach a standard and that's going to help the national team and it has, it has helped it, it helped it when we all moved abroad I mean we didn't want to move we, don't, we didn't want to leave our families and stuff well, I'm certainly a home bird even though I haven't been back since <laughs> but in general of course it's going to improve the national team and um, it, it has to be done because the standard isn't good enough at home um, I'm not saying it never will be, but if you want to improve as a national team, you have to try and push the players to play in these big teams, to play with these, uh, you know, fantastic players in these teams, to train day in, day out with them. And personally, for me, it was a massive, massive advantage for me going to Arsenal um, because, you know, the, the goalkeeping coaching, the, the standard of players like Kelly Smith, like Marianne Spacey, obviously it improved me. I wasn't training with Olivia every day. If I'd have been training with Olivia every day when I was in Ireland, I would have been grand, but I wasn't. She was on an opposition team. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge thing, and I would encourage it 100%. I'd encourage all the young players to, to <clears throat> go to England or America and try to, to get that standard of train, train, training every day and getting that specialised care. But do you not uh, feel, Emma, that now is the opportunity for the National League and the FAI to get jump on the bandwagon, to get the Air National League, even to semi-professional? You know, like... Absolutely, I do. But you're talking about a project that you'll see the benefits maybe in five or six years. Like, mm. we've got a World Cup next year. If we want the short term, we got to send them abroad. And that's just how it is. But I... I definitely think I've been saying it for years. We need to copy exactly what England did. You know, you need to get centralised contracts. You need the to pick your squad of 16 to 20 players who are home-based players and <clears throat> make sure they're on a contract that they can be training every day. But I don't know how far we are away from that. And if that's not going to work for you, I think you need a, a national academy like what Scotland did. You exactly. have an academy for 16 to 20-year-olds or 25-year-olds, whatever one base in Ireland and have them train as a team yeah. and um, work as a team and, and you can see the results. I mean, Scotland improved massively for that as well. That's why I couldn't get over um, Northern Ireland, no disrespect to Northern Ireland, getting to a European Championship before the Republic of Ireland for the simple reason is we played them over the years 20 years we've always always beaten them always have beaten them and when I heard they were going to the Euros I was like this uh, this can't be happening like I mean we're going backwards you know we need to Northern Ireland is there they're at the building on what the little success they had and now they're in the Euros where we didn't didn't build not that we, we, we you have to build from grassroots up and that's what Scotland and England did with the academies and the national uh, academies. And I really, really feel Ireland needs a national academy just for women. Uh, Emma, when, when you were at Arsenal at the beginning, the, the stories about doing the laundry and that kind of thing, what's the professionalism like now at Arsenal, say for the likes of Katie and for those clubs in England and the Women's English League? No, it's worlds apart. They're worlds apart. <laughs> she's certainly not doing laundry in any way. <laughs> I wouldn't say she's even doing her own laundry. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, they're worlds apart. I mean, I went to Arsenal to, I mean, the club itself to play for a club like Arsenal was a massive thing. It's a huge thing. But I went to 
to improve. I mean, it was a great. I was with Leeds United, and 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 then I was with St. Pat's. They were good clubs, but we were training once a week, maybe, and then and playing games that maybe we'd win four or five nil. We we had maybe a com- competitive game three times a year, and that's including the cup. So I went to England because I knew the players were very good, uh, which was a huge thing for me. And also we had the chance of getting into like Champions League and stuff like that. I knew I'd have to work. I knew it wasn't professional. I don't think my life was going to change completely, but I was definitely going to be training with better facilities and playing with better players. And that's the one reason I went. Um, I'd know, you know... I wasn't silly or I wasn't naive. I didn't think it was going to go professional in the time I was there, being honest. Um, but I was happy to work. I was happy to have that, the, 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 two, the two ways of life, um, you know, because it just, I, I've always worked. I've always studied. I've never, you know, just trained full time. And I liked the two different focuses, being honest. Um and then when it came, when we did go professional, uh, I still continued studying and doing stuff outside because I just felt it was too intense in in that environment. And I would also encourage that to our younger players to continue their studies. Mm. Look, how do we build on this? It's going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity in a way for this country because you never had a women's team at the World Cup. You'll have the nation getting up early in the morning, watching the games, Australia and New Zealand. People will be going down there uh, supporting the girls in green. You'll have a lot of expats. There'll be a lot of money swirling around because of this now through sponsorship and through prize money. And uh, how do we spend the money that we're going to get out of this in the right way domestically? Does the state need to get involved to support the association? What do we need to do, do you think? Well, yeah, I, I do think two parties, it would be a good idea to have two different parties involved with the money, just with like giving ideas and stuff, get the government involved. I mean, that's what the, the FA did. They Well, they hired an independent person to deal with it specifically who's done a great job there. Um, but yeah, it's all about developing, whether it's developing facilities in Ireland, whether it's trying to develop solely, solely women's clubs. I'm not sure whether it's to help out the clubs that are usually there, like Shelburne and, and St. Pat's and stuff like that, because it's not good enough. I don't think it's good enough that, you know, women, I still don't, I don't feel like women feel like they have a place. It's always borrowing things from the men's side. It's always borrowing time slots, um, you know, and that's that's the same with Gaelic football. It's female sports in Ireland. We need to be independent. We need to have our own place to train, to feel at home. And and as I said, I believe it's an academy. I believe it's a national academy yeah. to be set up only for women, only for girls. Um, get the good, the right coaches in, the right specialists in, and encourage young kids to to you know motivate them to want to go there set up a proper education system so you're also educating them alongside their football so that encourages parents to encourage their kids as well and just have that that set up maybe like an American what they do in America have scholarships but have it in Ireland I think that's that's one way to go about it Yeah Vera Powell has been speaking about an under 15s or league and an under 15s national team this week Absolutely the age. and it has to be it has to happen because that's where you start playing under 15, under 14 years of age. And this is where the girls develop. 
I just feel like a sportsman and starting the FAI and if they, if they got together and as Emma said, get the right people in who know exactly what they're talking about and who know what the girls really need. And like it's going to take a process obviously, but in four to five years we could actually have our own academy, National Academy for under 15 girls. And it can happen. I've always said that we needed it. I always said it. You played with a lot of these players. Looking at the defenders here, they've over 100 caps between them. You have Louise Quinn, you have Diane uh, Caldwell and Niamh Fahey. So they've been a huge platform for our progression to get to the World Cup. Absolutely brilliant. The, the four that you're at the mention in there, like, I've never seen girls put their life on the line the way I did in Scotland. I mean, Diane got a smack into the face and then she got back up and blocked another shot and Louise diving in the edge of the box to stop you out. Uh, we're from shooting and, and I actually thought Neve uh Arnie O'Gorman had a good game as well but these girls when they're around that experience these are the girls now that put the arm around the shoulder of the girls, younger players the yeah. younger players coming in and the younger players coming in is looking up to them where when we were there Neve and Louise they came to us and we put our arm around them to make sure and reassure them this is your place this is where you should be you know so I just feel Louise, Diane, Niamh, they're the backbone of the Irish team at the moment. And I just just keep on continuing what you're doing. And Emma, if they're the backbone, maybe Denise O'Sullivan is the engine. Oh, my God. She is. She Jeez. is a little engine, isn't she? She's a little Duracell bunny. I love her. We, all, all the players that you've mentioned there, Bar Anya, are playing abroad. I think yeah. that kind of says yeah. it all, doesn't it? And, and Denise... I wanted Denise to come to, to England. I wanted everyone to come to England because I was there and I wanted to be like the mammy figure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Denise decided to go to America and I I just, you know, it's so far away. I was a little bit worried about her, but actually it was the best decision that she yeah, ever made. Yeah. Because, um, you know, they it's a different mentality over there as well. She's settled in hugely. She's just seems to be having the best time, the best when life. When you say mentality, Emma, what do you mean? Um, they just have a very encouraging mentality within the team. They're very helpful for each other. England's very competitive. You know, I, I was lucky because there was a group of Irish girls there, but it's quite difficult for individual players oh, in the no. team if they yeah. don't have a little group, you know, or if they don't have certain... Well, when I was playing anyway, maybe it's a little bit different. It's very competitive. Whereas in America, I feel like there's more of a, you know, they all, they help each other a lot. They socialize a lot. So I was worried about Denise being a little bit homesick when she went over there. But um, she absolutely loves it. She loved it from the start. She's improved hugely. She had the skill already, but now she's become physical, which which was something she needed to improve on. And she's done that and has become one of the best midfielders in the world. I mean, she showed it. She proved it. Didn't she against Scotland playing Absolutely. against? Absolutely, like she's playing against weird. I actually thought she had the weird in her pocket for the whole game. I thought yeah, she didn't yeah. get a look in. I thought holding Lily Egg did an absolute fabulous job of stopping weird. As we know, she's a top top player, but the only thing she actually did was take the panel, you yeah. know. And then Courtney saved it, but I think Denise O'Sullivan just marked her out of the game. She did, she did. And because she's in America, we might not get to see her that much because, you know, the FA, the mm. WSL are, are on, is on our screens, isn't it? It's very easy, accessible. But 
don't get to see the um, the American League that much, but actually she's flying over there. And you, I can just tell by watching some of the games over there that she's one of their best players as well. Yeah, I'd have watched them myself, Emma. I watched them online and uh, I think she's got the player of the year in the last... Uh, last year she got player of the year and the two years before that she got player of the year. Uh, yeah, she's a little workhorse. Yeah. She's become a box-to-box midfielder, which is exactly what Ireland need. She's sort of like a, a female right can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and Katie McCabe, you've obviously tracked her journey because she's an Arsenal player. She's the captain of the team. She's 27 now, Emma. It's been a great decade for her. I can't believe she's 27. I still think she's like 19 or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, watching Kay. I mean, Kay has always been a little star. She's just been different than everyone that's come up from the age group. She was always confident. She was. She just had a bit of better. She had a swagger about her even the first day she came into the senior team. Um, just real natural footballer. And, and again, you know, I trying to drag her across the water for for years and she wouldn't come she's another little home bird mm-hmm. um, and eventually when she did come and she was trying to get her contract that she deserved it was difficult because managers probably didn't respect the Irish players as much as they did because they haven't seen them at, at a final stage in a World Cup in the Euros um, and eventually we got her to Arsenal and she was sent out on loan, which was absolutely, I just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Um, but thank God Jonas Eidevel came in and saw, you know, exactly the potential in her because she is one of the best players in the world. And I'm just glad she's getting a chance to prove that because playing with Arsenal, you also get that platform. Because um, you also, you get to the cup finals, you get to the, the end of season uh, games that you need to win and you get to Champions League so she is on that platform and I'm just glad now she gets the chance to do with Ireland yeah. Can we compete in this World Cup as opposed to just being there? Absolutely like we're not going over we're obviously going over as underdogs but Can we get out of the group? Absolutely i f- fully confident with the girls but as I said we just have to worry about the top seed that's going to be in their group yeah. but the other two I'd have confidence and if I was the girls, you just have to go out and enjoy it and just play the way you always play. Don't be nervous, don't be, just go out and enjoy it because, and take everything in because it goes in a flash. We're difficult to play against, Emma. Why is that? We're really Irish. difficult to play against. <laughs> <laughs> we are difficult to play against because we sit deep and we do park the bus a little bit at times. Um, and, you know, speaking to some of the Scottish players, they said, look, we knew you were going to park the bus, but we didn't know you were going to be so compact. We thought you'd find spaces in between you. And that's what we've improved on a lot. Watching them play, watching Ireland play against Sweden at home in Tala, for me, was frustrating because I couldn't see how they were improving and I couldn't see how they were going to compete against the top teams if we did qualify. But that's changed. They they improved so much since in that game campaign, in Tala yeah. because they realised that, yes, we do sit five at the back, which is always extremely hard to break down. But now what we're doing is we're realising when we can put pressure on the ball, when we can step into midfield and help the midfielders out. And we just seem to be able to to, to focus on that balance throughout the pitch. With, when you've got Heather Payne up there working like crazy up there trying to close down. Now it's not just 
whoever Lily and um, Denise in midfield. You'll also see Jamie Finn stepping up a little bit. Anya was helping out uh, last week. Nifahi was stepping into midfield to close Caroline Weir down and not let her turn. Whereas we weren't doing that against Sweden. And I think that was really important. So I just think that the players are growing in general. Just they understand the game a little bit more. They understand what they need to do. Um, and they're they're leaving spaces, but we're covering those spaces much quicker than we did before. That's why we're we're extremely hard to to play right against. Down, yeah. Like if you can't cross the if you're if you're in opposition and your game plan is to put the ball in behind or cross the ball, they're already going to have problems with Louise Quinney, Fahi, Diane Caldwell back there. Mm. I mean, we're very good in the air. So what else do you do if you can't put the ball in behind? You have to play through us impossible because we've got five at the back and the two midfielders are very good if you can't play through us you have to play around us and the wingers don't get a chance because Jamie Finn and Megan Campbell Campbell. did such a good job so that's why it's really difficult to play against us because there aren't many options it just seems that Megan Campbell's throw-ins are just a symbol of our awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. When that goal went in the other night, I was screaming. I was like... You thought there was a touch? Absolutely. I thought <laughs> I hit off a ponytail or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just so I was just waiting for the referee to go point to the, the circle. But when it didn't happen, but what a troll. Like, I mean, it's like a corner kick, isn't it, Emma? It's, it's better. It's better it's, than a corner kick yeah. for us and way worse than a corner kick for a goalkeeper because when you're a goalkeeper and you're setting up for a corner they can drill it in but someone's going to get ahead on it mm. you know one of your defender, your front post defenders will probably get ahead from a drill but when it's lofted in from a throw in and the trajectory is so difficult because you don't want to go early as a keeper no. you don't want to go early and get caught underneath it then the, by the time you decide to go for these throw-ins, it's too late. It's already packed out. There's so much traffic in front of you. It's so difficult. It's it's incredible. It's an incredible it's the, throw. It's the speed of it as well. Yeah. I think that ball has gone totally to fast. It's like, a, it's like a cricket ball. Yeah, I, I thought it was yeah. like a cricket ball, like a spinner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah. That's it. Or she throws it like baseball. You just mm. see, like, they nearly dislocate their shoulders <laughs> to throw yeah. the ball. I feel Very like good. both her shoulders are nearly dislocated. Oh, it's a nice weapon to have, actually. Big time. Yeah, it's just the uncertainty it puts into the... Uh, opposition defenders yeah and like in, as Emma said the keeper doesn't know where to come or go yeah, and, yeah. I think that'll be a feature of the World Cup if she, oh, if she well, does yeah. play um, over the next nine months Emma we're going to get to know these players more they're going to be on billboards we're going to get to d- develop a connection with them and, and Amber Barris the way she spoke so eloquently about Crease Law after the game after scoring that winning goal it just shows that you know we're getting to role model territory already yeah we were we were a couple of years ago. I mean, yeah. these girls have been, you know, getting um, taught about how to be role models and the fact they're in the public eye. And uh, Amber Barrett, I think, is one of the best role models they can have. She's educated. She's uh, very down to earth. She she knows exactly where she's come from, um, and she's pushed herself and she's playing abroad as well. And Germany, you know, yeah. yeah so. I just thought it was, it was a really nice touch from her and the fact that she scored. It was just such a special yeah, it was, it moment. Sort of like it was meant to happen, you know. Yeah, it was a really the, special moment. With the tragedy and and I was listening to Amber's uh, interview the next day and I actually got a lump in my throat. It was so emotional. But the way she came across and as she said, our granny and our granddad lived there and she knew people there. So it was really, really close to her heart. And I'm delighted that she's got a winner, that she was able to do it. 
Well said, uh, Olivia. Have you been speaking to the girls the last few days, Emma? A little bit, yeah. I'm trying to... I'm, I know they're up to their eyeballs with, with stuff, mm. so just been sending a couple of texts here and there and they're they're still on a high but the thing is the WSL starts again today, today. they're all back in they're, they're all back in training that's football things whether it's a good thing or a bad thing things move pretty quickly um, and they've all been called back into the club they're all back in training and focused on 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 the club games I didn't want to talk about it in this hour and I don't think uh, it's something I want to dwell on but was there any upset about the reaction to what happened Emma, the other night? Uh, upset just, as in... Just like where, where the players are a little bit, you know, rattled about, you know, what the controversy and everything. Um, I think, think? Um, I think they're still on a bit of a, a high after yeah. qualifying. Like that's still something they're selling into. I think they're being protected a little bit, you know, from, from as, as they should be. Yeah. They shouldn't really be on social media because it's not... A, you know they need to. They need their time to to celebrate the win, to celebrate the glory, to celebrate something that has never happened um, in in our history. So I, I think they're just still on that little bit of euphoria from winning, and that's exactly how it should be. Yeah, exactly. What about the draw then? Who do you want to get, Emma? Do you want to get the big the big guns, the USA, Brazil, or do you want the the, the teams that'll give us a chance to get through? Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Brazil. That's no, probably no, one no. of the teams I definitely don't want. Mm. Um, wouldn't mind USA looking at the two games they've played recently against England and Spain. Uh, wouldn't mind getting Spain. Yeah, true. They're in a pretty turmoil moment. Like at we will, mm. we'll take advantage of any of those weaknesses. <laughs> um, love to get England. Would love it. Yeah. Have you ever been to Australia or New Zealand? Have uh, yeah, I did a. Uh, tour of Australia when I was 15 years ago and it's, it's beautiful beautiful country Are you playing football out there? No it's just a camper van I went travelling around Australia Right Absolutely loved it Brilliant So you've already done the recce for the, uh, the I've team I've done it I've done for the, the supporters more so I've done the whitewater raft and I've done everything <laughs> yeah. Very good So I know my way around Australia Yeah And I will find the girls <laughs> <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> yes, like Liam Neeson. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's either going to be Australia or New Zealand for the group stage. It won't be like a mixture. It'll be one or the other. Um, like, we'll probably be one of the best supported teams out there, Emma. Yeah. I mean, you'd hope so. I, I mean, just my my social media is exploding. You know, with with support from the Irish people. Plus. I mean, we probably have 30% of the population over in Australia at this <laughs> yeah, stage yeah. as well. Um, I think it would be a great thing. I actually haven't said that. I know some people out there and they've been texting and stuff like that. So they're already excited for it. Um, we just have to get us out there to, to kind of build the momentum. The momentum, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm, sure, I'm sure we can we can arrange that. Have you ever been before, Emma, yourself? No, never been, never had a, a chance to go out there, really. It's funny because everybody always says, you know, how lucky you are traveling with football, but you literally don't see don't a see thing him. in a country. Yeah. You see the hotel and you see that. And because we've never played in a World Cup, uh, we've never got a chance to go that far. Um, so never been, would love to go. So planning on getting there somehow. I'll get that goal for me page up and around. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. <laughs> Emma Byrne, look, uh, and Olivia Toole, I want to thank you both for your service to the country, the Republic of Ireland over the years. 
Um, both of you were the inspiration for so many uh, of those players on Tuesday. They in turn will inspire so many people in this country. We appreciate your time. Bring on the World Cup. I think it's going to be absolutely massive mm-hmm. next year in July and August. I think people around the country will be getting up early and uh, watching these games. And they should. They should be national holidays. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. Days off. They should go back to the old school screens on the street, street parties. Go back to the 1990s. Walkinstown <laughs> roundabout. You know, here yeah. we come, part two, you know. So thanks, Emma. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And thanks, Olivia. Olivia. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks so Emma. I'll talk to you soon. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball.